Welcome back to I Loved This Conversation. My name is Alex Salzberg. I'm an animator, an artist, a writer, a father. <laughs> kind of reminds me of when like people put father in their social media bio, but it's like father, husband, secretary of defense. People are not following you for your parenting tips, sir. Anyway, this is the podcast where I talk to creative people in my growing creative community about what is going on in our creative lives. I'm hoping this podcast feels like when you go get coffee or a drink or a meal or a nice phone call with a creative friend of yours and talk about everything that's going on and you leave feeling inspired and less alone. In less than four minutes, you'll hear from Joanna Schubert, who writes and performs music as Aura Pendula. I've known Joanna and followed her music for years, and that made it extra fun uh, when she put out this new album, Waiting for the Sky to Speak, and it blew my mind. And I was really excited a few months ago when I finally got to chat with her about the album. We talked virtually because she was in New York. This is like a conversation about deep creativity and weirdness, and it kind of um, jumps back and forth in time between Joanna as an artist before this album, Joanna during creating this album, and Joanna after this album, which is right now, as she works on new stuff and tours with these songs. I'm recording this from my office in Boston. What's going on? Well, I have a baby, the ultimate art project. That's dumb. I I don't want to say that. She's less than two months old, so I'm sure I'll have much more to say about parenthood and being a working artist in future episodes. Um, A few initial observations. Having a baby and becoming a parent is incredibly intense in every way. Every way. It turns everything up to 11. Love and joy and stress and all the positive and negative emotions. It's wild. Um, Also, something annoying is that like all the cliches are true. The stupid ones about losing sleep. And then also like really the beautiful ones about looking into your baby's eyes and feeling so much love. Also, you think you're not going to do baby talk, but you will. I sometimes do baby talk when I'm alone now, which is a problem. I should keep an eye on that. Um, And then also, man, it's just really, really funny. Like I laugh all the time. It's really funny. Uh, If you tuned in to the last episode, you heard a longer and more serious intro with my thoughts on social media and empathy for people in Gaza and people in Israel. (laughs) When you share really intense thoughts and feelings about something like on a podcast, I don't know about you, but I feel so vulnerable after I just like threw a big old meatball of my feelings and thoughts and opinions out there. Um, But you know what? This is about what we're going through. And that's what I was going through. And I stand by everything I said. I do want to clarify two things because it's hanging over my head. First thing is during the recording of that intro, I couldn't recall off the top of my head two really important years in the Israel-Palestine history, uh, 1948 and 1967. And I kind of laughed at myself and made a joke about like, oh, I should read a book. I just want to be clear that I do know a lot of the history and there's a lot that I don't know. I just want to be clear that I don't think it's like silly or cute to not know that stuff. It's good. It's good for us to learn. And then I also, in that intro, touched on how people use political language, political science terms, and I made a negative statement about that. I'm not arguing that these terms aren't important or factual or helpful. Um, I think there's really good reasons to bring all kinds of political terminology into the conversation. But I do feel very strongly still that on social media, those terms, whether they apply or not, seem to be wielded in a way that discourages and shuts down further conversation. So that's more what I was getting at there. Anyway, tune in next week when I feel vulnerable about this clarification and I clarify it more. Did I mention I have a baby? 
let's meet our guest and hear her connection to me. My name is Joanna Schubert, and Alex and I met on a birthright trip, which I'm sure we both have feelings about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, tri- the many, trip was Many, many years fun. ago when we were in our early, I think I was 22. I was, uh, I think I was 25 or 26. Yeah. So what do you remember about me? as a young 25-year-old. I remember that we had a really fun time together. I feel like you cycled between, but you were often in the back of the bus crew, Mm -hmm. this back of the bus crew that was just um, really constantly rambunctious and (laughs) debaucherous. (laughs) The back of the bus crew was, and I mean this in a good way, but it it sort of had a theater kid vibe. Like there was a lot of singing and, and, joking and yeah yeah i think i spent like 60 percent of my time there and then when i needed a break i'd go sort of to the front of the bus which was more quiet conversations my 22 year old self was like (laughs) solidly back of the bus and if it were a few years later would have would have migrated a whole lot more often (laughs) so joanna we're gonna dive into it uh what is something you are currently going through in your creative life or where it overlaps with your life in general i'm planning an ep right now that I'm going to be recording soon. I want to create something that is going to not be as difficult for me as this last release <laughs> was. I'm I'm kind of intentionally going into it with like what will translate a little more easily from recording to stage, what will not break my bank, Mm. but also not doing it from like a dry place, like a dry place of, you know, not being emotionally invested or creative. But I'm I'm approaching it less as like a, oh my God, what can we make? (laughs) We're gonna do everything. (laughs) Maximalism. Yeah. And I'm approaching it from a simpler place. I've been thinking about my relationship with the piano. I went really far in kind of like a hyper-produced direction for the last album, which I really loved. And it was like, sky's the limit for every sound and thought that could possibly exist. Right. You know, just like brain to recording. Right. (laughs) I think part of that was diverging from this like acoustic singer-songwriter path that I felt like I was on that I kind of wanted to rebel against, but almost in kind of maybe too angsty of of a way. (laughs) Like it was like my rumspringer. (laughs) Right. But I've been noticing just like my connection to the piano and just the piano without Mm. tons of synths and tons of arrangements and like a million bells and whistles somehow feels stronger now and in a new way. And so I'm kind of also like coming home to that. Tell me about singer-songwriter, quote unquote, Joanna, like who who that was, maybe leading up to the point where you were like, wait, I want to rebel against this. I'm still coming to terms with (laughs) not being too mean to myself about like... I have kind of a weird relationship with like the kind of music that I used to make. I think that I didn't have the same desire that I do now to like always be pushing myself and not pushing myself in a way that is dictatorial to myself. Right. More more like what am I capable of and like what am I really interested in doing and what are the things that are interesting to me right now? And I think that the way I used to write was only based on what was naturally coming out. I don't think it was really like growing 
or aligning itself with like how I was growing as a person and like what my tastes were. And it was like, why doesn't the music I'm writing like actually sound more like the music that I like to listen to? Or like, do I actually want to listen to my music? Yeah. Um, So I think that like the growth factor and the like extreme curiosity factor has more to do with it than any like tangible stylistic thing. I'm like just a lot more curious of a creative person these days and feel like I'm also have a way less fixed sense of self than I did Mm. when I was younger, which I think is opposite of a lot of people. I used to just have this mentality of like, this is the way I am. This mm-hmm. is the way that I write, and this is the stuff that I like, and this is the stuff that I do. And it was kind of like a hindrance in many ways, let alone just creatively. And so I think it's just interesting to be like, I am not one thing. This is what yeah. I'm listening to and inspired by today. This is what I'm listening to and inspired by tomorrow. And I'm not going to like concern myself with whether or not it feels like me. Mm. It feels like something I should be doing. Yeah, no, I totally relate. And I actually think I like the reframing of it being healthy to have less of a quote unquote sense of self. The older I've gotten, the less likely I'm to even be like, this is my favorite food. This is my favorite color. Like I've gone through a similar journey where it's it's just more about like, what do I want to make next? I think that part of having a stronger sense of self as you get older, it's like being more comfortable as a human being with all the things that you don't know or knowing that you'll never know. It's like knowing that we are so many things and that we are always changing and we're always going to change. Something else that you said that I also relate to is you're talking about like approaching your next project or projects from a point of sustainability of like your energy or or your longevity of like your creativity, right? Yeah, and also like money. Yeah, (laughs) makes sense. Yeah, like your ability to like keep going, essentially. We're in such similar places in our creative lives because I have that same feeling. I'm like, I've been working for a year on a 20 minute long film. I also approached it in a very maximalist way in that like you described it best. Like if it's in my brain, it's going in the film. But I have that same urge now. The next thing I want to do, I want it to be cheap. I want it to be um, like a faster from brain to line, I want it to be faster. You know, you were careful to have that disclaimer of like, but not in like a dry way. How do you best separate the part of you that's like the sort of more all business typing in a little adding machine? Like, okay, this one has to be more efficient. How does that part get along with the part of you that probably still is like, yeah, but I'm creative. I do whatever I want. Hmm. Well, maybe just like with the knowledge that oftentimes like certain restrictions lead to really incredible freedom and that like sometimes unlimited possibility can be like paralyzing (laughs) so like it could actually be cool to be like you know let's do really cool things with less yeah and what does that look like specifically to you when you think about your next ep or your next album or or even just your next song we're actually going to be recording really soon starting recording in a week. Um, And one thing that looks like is recording piano at my parents' house and not spending money on a studio. (laughs) (laughs) There is something that feels conceptually and emotionally cool about like coming home 
to a simplicity and this instrument where in my literal home that I grew up in with the piano that I grew up playing and also not spending any money, just yeah. <laughs> really exciting. There's probably also gonna be a focus on at least some live recording. Like I think a lot of the lead vocals and piano will be live recorded. My desire is to find as much of a like foundation with vocals, piano, and harmonies and mm. specifically singing harmonies with the two women who I've been singing harmonies with like all year in my band, Gabby and Liz, having them come in and do it. Finding as much fullness there before adding on all the things that will inevitably be added on, but still like just a few more things added on. It's not gonna be like using all of the possible bell bells and whistles right. that you could do when you have like a computer at your yeah. fingertips. <laughs> I kind of want to talk if if I know it's like this album came out in February, right? Uh, March. March. Waiting for the sky to speak. You maybe have talked about it a lot since then, or maybe you're like done thinking about it. I know you're performing probably a lot of songs from it, but I want to talk about it. Let's <laughs> talk about it. First of all, I love it. I mean, um, I've loved all your work that I've heard over the years and I've heard you perform your songs. I've heard you perform with other artists. This album, you mentioned this was such a different thing than a lot of your other work. My first reaction is like, whoa. <laughs> like, this, in, in that it is very like maximalist in the best way. It's like, I, I'm notoriously bad at describing music, but the word that came to mind was like epic or something. Like oh, it, yeah. it really felt like a, a journey. Um, I could talk all day about, I just really love it. I just want to say that. Thank you. I'm so fascinated by the process of putting together an album. And this album, because of its maximalist nature, it feels like it has 4 million intentional choices <laughs> sewn together. My first question is like, I know that this sounds like, um, when does life become like, when is an album like first an album? Well, I guess I can more easily answer like, when was this album first, first an album? Mm. I approached it from a place of, I want to finally make an album that I feel really proud of. Like I wasn't feeling like I was doing what I was capable of, like to use that phrase again. I was like 2019, I was like searching for yeah. like, what, I, I just I knew that what I was doing was not like scratching the surface of the creative potential. And I was like, I really want to make something I'm really proud of and that I can like do all the things that I really love within like large scale arrangements and like realize the music in a way that I never have before and I also was feeling interested in like what what would it be like to do the other things like make music yeah. videos and have it be more of like a multimedia project which yeah. again I had never done before so I guess the conception of this album was like my period of feeling really stuck and deciding I'm gonna make an album yeah and I need to yeah. figure that out <laughs> <laughs> how did that feeling of being stuck kind of manifest itself just in your day-to-day -day life, like as Joanna. It was kind of like a prolonged period of feeling mm -hmm. stuck, which is a lot of like what the album <laughs> is about, <laughs> general limbo states. I remember being in a voice lesson with a voice teacher who I was taking lessons with at the time in like 2018. I hadn't, I hadn't really started like playing shows in the city 
yet. I had lived mm-hmm. in the city for like about a year, but I was mostly teaching and I just like, I didn't like know how to how to start doing what I wanted to be doing. And I wasn't really doing it that much in Boston either where I lived before. So it was, it felt like a hard nut to crack. And I started crying because I was playing a song for her, one of my songs, and it felt so good. And I was like, I want to be doing this. I know that I, yeah. I want I want this, but I don't know how to go forward. And she was like, I think that you have reached a point where like something needs to change. And mm. like, I don't know exactly what it is, but like you can't feel this way anymore. And then kind of in typical crammy, impulsive, make things happen immediately style after like a long, long period of not knowing. I was like, okay, cool. Um, Now I'm going <laughs> to set up shows and I'm going <laughs> to, and then like it all just kind of snowballed. Mm, I found too. It's like you have to, I, I'll say I, I have to dive in the deep end or I'm just like not going to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, that was also like why the album itself fast forward a couple of years was like so maximalist because I was like all I want is to dive into the deep end now Mm. after like playing it safe for a while and holding myself back it's like what would it be to do the absolute most yeah (laughs) and just just to know just to know what it feels like okay I'm gonna ask the most annoying non-musician question ever (laughs) when you're when you're approaching a song like you you are going to hate this question. Like, no. are 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 the lyrics coming first? Is the music coming first, or how do they interplay? I I even hate myself for asking that question, but oh. I am genuinely always curious about. It. I do find like the songwriting process so interesting. So it's yeah. a genuine cliche question coming from I, me. I I think it's a great question. <laughs> Don't beat yourself up over it. <laughs> it really changes all the time. Sometimes it changes depending on the song. Sometimes it changes depending mm-hmm. on like the period of time that I'm in. When I first started writing songs early, early on, it was always lyrics first. Mm. Um, I would like write a whole thing. I would craft lyrics and then I would yeah. like set them to music and maybe the lyrics would change afterwards. But it's very different now. Waiting for the sky to speak. That was coming out of and continuing a period of time where I was doing a lot of improvising, constant, constant improvising, stemming from the artist's way. Do you know the artist's mm, way? I do, although I, I I have not read it. I, I need to. I know morning pages are like the the headline from it. That's the thing. So oh, okay, I, that's, yeah. that was like what I... I just ended up turning the morning pages, which is Julia Cameron, the author of the book, describes it as like three front to back pages, total train of thought. Don't overthink it. Don't judge it. Just let it out every morning. After a couple of weeks, I was just interested in turning it into music, musical morning pages. So I started recording myself started in January 2020 and like bled into the pandemic. I was just out hours a day. I was there's so many freaking voice memos <laughs> on mm. my phone. So yeah, these like train of thought improvisations, like really exploratory, just giving myself all the space in the world to create that led to a lot of the songs that I that I ended up writing. Sometimes it was a musical seed. Sometimes it was music and lyrics together. But usually it was just like a state, like a flow state that I got myself into that then I like wanted to continue. Then it led to something. I have this envy of musicians because I envy songwriting as an outlet for like emotions and life experiences because it feels 
from an outside perspective more direct than what I do. Do do you even agree with my premise that like songwriting's a a good conduit for that? It's incredibly direct, but I think it's incredibly direct even if like you don't know what you're singing about or you don't know uh, what what's happening. Like I think cool. that's that's what feels so direct is like just the the tangible nature of like you can sing right now. You can play an instrument right now and mm-hmm. something will come out and it will be reflective of what you're going through even if it's not saying what you are trying to say or even if you don't necessarily realize it. I've been writing fewer and fewer songs that feel like I'm unpacking something Mm. directly, but for some reason I'm feeling really excited about, and maybe it's lazy, like I, I have had that thought. I've had that thought of like, is this just me not wanting to like deal with what I am dealing with or what I do deal with? But I'm I feel like I'm interested in tapping into the subconscious more. I find myself feeling like bored of what I feel and like yeah. <laughs> bored of what I have to say. <laughs> well, I imagine, because this happens to me all the time, I look at something I've created and you're like, oh, I didn't even know it had all this meaning in it, but now I'm seeing all these connections. Does that happen for you, these sort of serendipitous connections? Yeah. Maybe that's another thing, actually, that I feel like I did not do in my older music. My older music maybe was so feeling direct to page or feeling direct to song, but it feels like there's just unlimited possibility for like finding newness within something that's like a little more open-ended. A lot of the songs on the album, when I play them now, I am not at all thinking about or feeling the thing that I wrote them about. One of the songs, Knocking Down Flowers, I collaboratively made a music video for it. Some great people I actually feel like I like envision the music video when I play it more than I think about what the song is about. I just I get sucked into like a cinematic landscape, but also feel like kind of detached from it. That's the video where there's like a banquet table, right? Yeah. Yeah. The video is very cool. Recommend everyone watch it after this. Wait, I am curious, though, like when you said it's just not as direct drawing is so hand to paper, what is the most Im- Im- improvisational direct Yeah, equivalent? I guess it is drawing. And, and I do, I have done drawing as journaling, both for audiences or like just for myself. I guess what it is for me, let's say something happens to me, <laughs> to me which happens from time to time. I could draw a picture the day after that illustrates what happened or how I'm feeling or whatever. And then I could also let it all marinate and let all those themes like kind of marinate and write something. And I, I've just found that that always goes so much better for me. I guess we never know, like when we hear a song, when we hear an album, like how long it took from conception to like maybe the first thing that came out was like the version of the writing that was like totally half-baked. True. Like what is the timeline on like Alanis Morissette writing about David Coulier? <laughs> like was it right away? Was right it tr- that there is this like just hard to explain thing about like just the music itself, whether or not it's a finished idea that is like inherently so emotional. Yeah. Even if the lyrics themselves haven't adequately like unpacked the emotion, like the the melody is going to do something, maybe. Yeah. 
to maybe turn that to a question for you, like the times when you have written more directly about your experiences or about your emotions or whatever, do you feel there's like an ideal, an ideal cooking time on those ideas? I don't think there's like an ideal cooking time. Usually, if I write something that is like really emotionally direct, Mm -hmm. then I write it pretty quickly. That's not always the case. But if it's something that feels like really emotionally potent, then usually I'll like lock myself up and it'll just need to happen. And I like can't Mm. do anything else and I can't think about anything else. And it just like needs to happen as quickly as it can possibly happen. Not necessarily like I need to be done immediately, but I just like I need to spend like every waking moment on it. I'm not like, oh, well, maybe I'll work on it a little today. (laughs) And then, oh, maybe I'll work on it next week. It's like, I can't (laughs) function. Yeah. (laughs) It's like I can't talk to anyone. I can't see the sun. Right. There's like a creative madness. Absolutely. There was like an interview someone did of you where you actually, and I loved it for obvious reasons, like you went through every song and and you went into so much detail about the creation process. I'll try to link to this when I release the podcast. That was really fun to write. (laughs) It was so cool, but it actually made me really curious because it, I don't know why what came over me today, but I have just all these weird questions for you. But Ooh, yeah. I feel it just feels like it's like a safe space for all my weird questions. But. It's so safe. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. What I thought of as I was reading that, which I so appreciated, like all the work you put into that interview and, and going through it all. I put so many details into the work I do, especially like longer films, especially the thing I've been working on the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so many details that have so much meaning to me or even serendipitous meanings. And it's so clear you're really excited about those details. Here's the weird question. Is there ever a frustration or a sadness that like nobody will ever see or know all of the details that you know of your work, no matter how big a fan they are, they could be your number one fan. They're still only going to hit like 98%. Like, cause I, I sometimes like fantasize that there'd be some crazy like fan of mine who's like, I noticed everything (laughs) like that, that that would be really validating. So you're like, please get off my porch. Yeah. That validates me, but I am calling the police. I don't know. I'm I'm so curious if you've ever felt that or, or even just in general, what your relationship is with all those details. That's a cool question. I, doesn't bother me if <laughs> if people notice all the all the details mm-hmm. because I think that the details like make up a cohesive whole mm. and there are so many things that like no one will ever notice but it's like a thing that glues something together or it's like it just makes you feel a certain way and you don't even know why honestly i think it makes me more upset that like i'm never going to remember 100% of the details <laughs> right of, of like the creation process and i wish i could have like written it all down i don't know it's fun to have some mystery And maybe it's kind of like how even when you really know a person, you're never going to know every single detail of their thoughts and their life. The album, like a person, has an inner life that no one will ever know. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I love that. Something that I feel I would be so stressed out by is determining the order of songs on an album. How did you approach the order of songs? It was a collaborative decision with my co-producer Zubin because I also reached a point where I was like I don't know (laughs) (laughs) we made this album during the pandemic the amount of time 
that we spent together was just, it was like our brains were like fused. <laughs> I think the way that we went about it was sometimes he was better at like organizational reminders than, than mm. I was. So I, th I think he like sent me an email with like, hey, like I have this track listing in my mind and I'm curious like what you think because maybe we should think about that now. So I took a look at that and then like from that email, we just kept rearranging and rearranging and rearranging. And that also led to taking out one of the songs because it wasn't mm. working with the flow. And then in terms of like the actual practice of, of being like, does this sound good together? I get into kind of like excited playlist mode of like, mm. I don't know if you do this, like if you make a playlist of just, I love just noticing how transitions sound. So I'll often like listen to the end of a song and then listen to the beginning of a song and be like, oh, how is that? What does that do? And what is happening throughout the course That's of this cool. experience? The album goes from a slightly more erratic and unfocused and not in a bad way but just like thematically but also mm -hmm. just kind of like sonically place to like a bit of a more grounded and still place mm -hmm. near the end it's like you're sticking a bunch of songs together that like you wrote not to go together yeah <laughs> so it's fun being like what what is the story here and like yeah. does it matter what is the arc what is the story sonic arc is emotional arc it's not just like how does this sound together, but it, but it is like what is what is the emotional arc. I think there is kind of like a really frenetic, restless energy throughout a lot of the album, and it calms. There's like a little more um, emotional clarity near mm. the end. I don't know if I would have been able to put it into words that way, but I feel that too as I listen. Mm. It's really it's really cool to hear you put it into words. I would be curious how how you and not to put you on on the spot. No, but like, please. Put like me I'd on be the curious spot. how you how you experienced it. There was like the first time I listened was more intentional because like oh Joanna's new album I've got to like put it on and and really listen. There's also times I just listen to it while I'm drawing or something or mm. um or driving and then I would say actually the most this is very this is I keep prefacing things as weird. Nothing's weird anymore with two <laughs> artists talking, but like. <laughs> we met on a bus. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, the most meaningful listen I had was actually, it was actually on the flight to Tel Aviv a couple months ago. I, I usually on any flight, one of the things I'll do to pass the time is I'll like listen very intentionally to an album. It's one of the only times I'm not like doing something else, like cleaning or drying or driving. I put on your album and for some reason, like a, literally a, a story happened in my head. Like mm. as I listened to the album and like each song kind of had a music video and it's like it was sort of like half dream and half intentional. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, when you're like almost asleep, you're somewhat in control of what's happening, but then it kind of your brain kind of rolls with it. And yeah. like the story that was happening was that like the plane like went through some sort of portal, like the plane I was on and I was in some sort of alternate reality and I had to go on some sort of quest to like get the plane running again. So I, I was going through these different environments with each song, but each one, each one was me unpacking like just different things that I had was dealing with at the time in my head. Whoa. There was one there I was in some sort of ice cave with different memories of mine like melting. So this was all still like within my control. Like I wasn't having like a psychotic break or anything. But anyway, <laughs> That was the most meaningful experience. Your album triggered this like very deeply personal visual album in my head. I love that so yeah. much. Yeah. 
And it it was so meaningful that like I can recall it as if it was a movie I watched. I have like memories from that one listen where I'm like, oh yeah, remember the ice cave? (laughs) Like as if I went there. Wow. I mean, of course now I just like, I like want to see what this, like I want to see this movie. (laughs) I really love that. The way that people experience the things that people's brains and hearts and whatever's do when they're sitting with whatever your art is, is like the coolest, the coolest thing. Like just the, the fact that like we can do that. Also, I love how you said plane. This is the this is the last last thing. But you just you made me excited because I I got such a strong memory when you said that. Like I said, I had never really done anything of to the, of this scale before, and so by the time that I realized that I needed to start thinking about like the release of the album, I was like, oh shit! Like I haven't thought about okay, like I don't know what music videos are gonna be. I don't know what the arc is. Like truly, I don't know what the thread of this is. Right. I don't know how to describe this album to people, but I was on a plane and I had a tiny little notebook and I spent the entire plane ride writing as much as I could possibly write about every song and I but I did it in like all different categories I was like if this song were a color what would it be if it were an element what would it be what are the images that pop into my head what are the characters what are the settings and I have like tables and tables of and like long form thoughts all written like in the sky (laughs) on an airplane (laughs) so when you said that I was like oh it's so perfect and I just put it together that the sky is right in the title of the, uh, the God album. God damn it. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of the sky, we got to get to our lightning round. But Ooh. man, I could talk forever about this stuff. Our lightning round. What is something you learned the hard way that you would be happy to just sum up as a lesson for other people to learn the easy way just by hearing it from you? Save them all the trouble. Something I've learned the hard way <laughs> is <laughs> to not rely too much on other people to help me figure out what I want and to cultivate that and trust that within myself before coming to like a collaboration table with people, being so totally open to collaboration and where other people wanna go, but not relying on other people to help sway me when I am feeling unsure. I know people who really let that um, kind of paralyze them in decision making where like if they have a decision to make or creative or otherwise and they go to two people and those people say opposite things that's like super hard like do you have any advice for people who are struggling with that maybe just that like everything that we make is like reflective of a moment we're not like working on one one project our whole lives it's probably never going to be the perfect thing but to just decide to trust yourself and like make a call then immediately there is a path in front of you and like that decision can still go a bunch of different ways what is something you learned the hard way but you're really glad you learned it the hard way there was no better way for you to learn it besides going through it the like the whole ego trip of releasing music and of like mm. thinking that everything is like so important and so crucial and like I want to get on this label and I want like this PR person to like get me featured on all the right blogs and mm. that like when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, it's like you want people to connect with your music and like that's yeah. what it is 
to share the music, right? right but I think right. that maybe just learning the hard way to like detach it from the ego as much as possible and to just remember like at the end of the day, like what is it that you want? Why are you doing this? And like just trying not to get so freaking caught up mm. with all of the things that can that can just be like really soul sucking. You know, like is it more important to get featured on like NPR or is it more important to like connect with people after a show and like right. really receive that message from an old friend about like how much they enjoyed your album? Yeah, I hear that. I think I'm still in the middle of like learning all of that. It's hard. I, do you feel a lot of, especially like around an album release, is there a lot of urgency? Like, do you have this feeling of like, if not enough people listen to this, like this week that I released it, like it's too late after that. Like, do you worry about that kind of thing? Yeah, I did kind of hear that, you know, like that news outlets that they like they they lose interest after mm. they're on to the next thing after a certain <laughs> amount of time. So yeah. I did feel this pressure that like in the beginning, if I don't get this coverage or this recognition, like that's it. And again, like maybe that is true with the news outlets, right. but but it's not but it's not true with people just listening to it and connecting to it and yeah it's tricky if you're like if you like want as many people to hear your music as as possible but part of me feels like to be so affected by by all of it is also to like condone the way that it's all done mm, yeah <laughs> you know it's like oh well like that makes sense that no like blog is gonna listen to my album because they're on to the next thing and and the market is inundated and like I don't know, I just kind of feel like if one can zoom out a little bit and be like, all of this is crazy. Yeah. Then like maybe it can all matter a little less. Yeah. Well, our last lightning round question is um what is a favorite thing of yours to do that has nothing to do with uh writing and producing music? <laughs> and promoting music and performing music and all that. I mean, there's so many. Well, the thing that just popped into my mind is like unplanned outside adventures. Ooh, <laughs> love it. Because I am in New York City mm -hmm. and there's not that much beautiful nature <laughs> around. <laughs> but I really love going to Greenwood Cemetery. It's mm. like very beautiful historical cemetery, kind of like Mount Auburn. Yeah. Boston but yeah I love just kind of like going in without a plan and every turn you're just like left or right and you let that. that let that guide you that's the best I also share I love a good cemetery walk they're really beautiful mm -hmm. the quiet in, in a cemetery feels really feels really special yeah and like it does like there is there's definitely it's like a very specific energy to cemeteries like whether or not it is like actual spirits or not like it is it's palpable right there's something yeah i agree <laughs> <laughs> i love it um all right and then um finally if people want to find and follow you online um listen to your album see where you're performing next uh where would you direct them i would say that instagram is like the most direct it's the mm. place where i remember to update the most so my yeah. instagram is at underscore oropendola o-r-o-p-e-n-d-o-l-a but i also have a website joannaschubert.com slash oropendola but i always forget to 
update it. <laughs> you can also like sign up for a mailing list via that website. Nice. Orapandala is also what they would search for on their music streaming yes. services, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I music is everywhere. <laughs> music is everywhere. Yes. And my music also is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so any any streaming pa- platform and band camp, you will find me. Perfect. And I highly recommend it. Okay. Joanna, thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad we finally got to catch up and chat. And Me too. Th- thanks for answering all my weird questions. It was so it was so fun. I think inevitably, no matter who I'm talking to, I still am <laughs> just like, I can't succinctly answer a question. This is definitely not a podcast where you need to be succinct. Yeah. <laughs> it would be very hypocritical of me to ask anyone <laughs> to be succinct about anything. Cool. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Thank you again to Joanna for being a part of my creative community and for speaking with me a couple months ago and letting me share that conversation with everyone else. In addition to all of the links Joanna mentioned, she now also has a Patreon at patreon.com slash oropendola, O-R-O-P-E-N-D-O-L-A. You can follow this podcast on social media at I Loved This Conversation on Instagram and TikTok. You'll see the animation there, hopefully more animation to come, including for this one. Subscribe, rate, review on your podcast app. Think of that as a tip in my tip jar. But even more importantly, if this episode resonated with you, send it to someone. That's how I find new podcasts. I love when people recommend podcast episodes to me. And many of the podcasts I subscribe to started with a recommendation. And after hearing one episode, I was hooked. So that would really help me out if you share this podcast with a friend or family member. The theme music is by Typist, which is the solo project of my brother Adam, who usually helps mix this episode and brings it to your ears. But he also has a new baby at home. So we're giving him a break. Hopefully it still sounds okay. And as always, I recommend another episode of this podcast if you had a nice time listening and want to keep the good vibes going. I think a natural recommendation here is the Julia Mark episode. Julia is also a musician and is a good friend of Joanna's. I actually met Julia through Joanna, so I hope you check that out. We will be back on an upcoming Tuesday. I can't promise a return to a consistent schedule yet because every time I child naps is a choice between working on this podcast or napping myself or doing like the bare minimum of cleaning the house so we'll get back to a regular schedule soon and in the meantime i'm so happy you're still here instead of our usual outro music why don't we ride out on a song by aura pendula this one is called flowers on my front stoop it's from waiting for the sky to speak which is available on all the usual music things and i hope you enjoy and then go check out the album
song. Broken off car door, could have been a real.